You're listening to Body IO FM with your hosts, Kiefer and Dr. Rocky, where cutting edge science meets the razor's edge of health and performance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Body IO FM with your host, Kiefer, and co host, Dr. Rocky Patel. Hey, Kiefer. Uh, and man, one of these days you're just gonna be on it. That was better. I will I say that I was pretty better. darn close there. I, it was better. Well, we're getting there. So, <laughs> ongoing. That's the ongoing uh, show intro joke. But uh, we've got to get through our sponsors, which most of them are just ourselves. So it's not that big of a video, I guess. I'm not gonna complain too much. But highly athletic wear. Check them out on the website. And of course, this podcast is brought to you by everybody who supported us through buying Carb Backloading, Carb Night, Transforming Recipes, and Transforming Recipes of the Dessert Edition, uh, as well as nic- Nicotine Declassified, which I just don't talk about too often because it's really for the ultra-high performance audience. Uh, but all those websites are pretty easy. CarbNight.com, Night spelled N-I-T-E, CarbBackloading.com. TransformingRecipes.com, TransformingRecipes slash desserts, and NicotineDeclassified.com. You can find all those links on the website. So, today, Body.io FM is actually going to turn into a radio station, and we're going to have different shows on that station, and this will be the primary show on the station, Body.io FM. Uh, It'll be, you know, the voice... The voice of everything that's going on, but we thought the first show that we would add would be specific to women's issues in the health and performance arena. So we are proud to announce that Alex Navarro and AJ, everybody knows AJ, but Andrea Jingle, will be the co-hosts of that new podcast, and we have them both on the show today so we could... Uh, you know, basically talk about women's issues to open it up into their first show, which will be debuting pretty soon. So uh, go ahead and say hi, Alex. Hi, everyone. And all right, at least she beat you on the delay, Rocky. That was that was longer. So she made you look good on that one. <laughs> and AJ. Hi. <laughs> was that quick enough? Yeah, that was perfect. That's what we expect. We want oh, my to gosh. The there was like no difference in what I did. Oh, there was a huge difference. I can even measure it on my you screen. You just have to jump recording. in before he even finishes next time. Is that time. what I have to do? I just got to talk over him. There you go. There you go. That'll work. <laughs> just pick up when I say doctor. Just start saying your name. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if you I remember that. that. <laughs> All right. So uh, we've got you guys on, and we usually just focus on science in general or specific cases or uh reviews when we pull papers or certain topics or just whenever I want to rant. But today we can focus on female issues. And I know you two have had a lot of experience. And what makes the coupling of you two nice is that, Alex, you've worked with a lot of people in the performance arena. And AJ, you've worked with a lot of people in the non-performance arena. So it will be a really nice mesh I think of information and the conversation that just you two can have even without any guests Uh, I've listened to a couple of the podcasts already they've already been recorded and you know it's just a phenomenal conversation between you two that I think is going to be very helpful 
So anything you want to start with or talk about, open your show. We, of course, never plan any of these shows. That's why they ramble about. <laughs> I, I Personally, I'm just really excited to have the opportunity to be able to talk about the female issues because, you know, there is a, a large audience out there of women who are both in the performance arena and just, you know, want general fat loss and improve their health. And I think there there are always questions about, you know, how to modify things for them, how to make those tweaks. And uh, I'm just really excited to be able to share information and talk about those issues and have it be specific for us ladies. I I agree because when, you know, you're out there reading things or listening to podcasts, it's kind of like, you know, it's almost there and you just there's never that little bit of detail that the women need extra that's you know there's never that attention to detail for that audience so you know all these people are listening to um, certain podcasts or reading articles and it's like yeah but you just need to kind of tweak it a little bit but that never gets um, portrayed so hopefully we can do that for everyone well, I think that's a big something that's really not paid attention to or ignored or and, and ignored for good reason for the people who put out the information because most of the information that filters down into the female population was made by men for men, usually for purposes that were entirely different or using agents that weren't mentioned. And that information is just immediately pushed onto the women. It's like, here, just do this exactly. And that's really inaccurate to do that. I mean, that's not something that you can just hand off with absolutely no modifications or extra considerations because there are a lot. There's some very significant differences between men and women, and that's both in the health arena and especially in the performance arena. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, when I started coaching – and helping people with carb night and carb backloading, one of the groups of people that was reaching out to me were men training women. And I was just, you know, I thought it was awesome that all these guys and like trainers, husbands wanted to reach out to me and help their um, clients, female clients, their wives, their girlfriends. And, you know, it's pretty interesting because they just trying to train women with what they knew about training themselves, it wasn't working. And they were just like, so what's the secret? What's the big difference? And it's, you know, all these people are reaching out to me all the time. And that's when I realized that this audience is not just the female listeners. It's all the coaches training the females. It's husbands and it's, uh, it's sorry, boyfriends, husbands, you name it. So hopefully we can help that whole audience. Yeah, it's even, you know, like, oh, go ahead, Rocky. Oh, I was going to say that, you know, one of the things we always talk about, whether it's like the zero point diet or carb night, is that these are all protocols to improve your health. And one of the things that often I get from patients coming to see me, um, particularly female patients, is uh, typically I need my hormones checked because there's something wrong. And when then I go over what they're doing from a dietary and nutritional standpoint, um, it certainly is less than optimal. Um, with your experience with um, – both um, male trainers who are, you know, who have female clients and then female clients. I mean, do you see this kind of dichotomy, this difference between the perception that it's a hormonal problem versus some of the dietary issues that we always see almost invariably in, in majority of our patients? Absolutely. I definitely agree. 
Yeah, I see that all the time when they're always looking for, you know, some some big secret and they're looking for the underlying health issue. And well, yes, in some cases there might be something there. A lot of the time there's just, uh, they're lacking attention to detail with the nutrition. And sometimes, and I'm going to say more often than not, they're hitting the training aspect way too hard. Um, and that's something that I'm always trying to reel people in with and just being like, you do not have to be training seven days a week. <laughs> well, I think it's, and not eating very much on top of everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think it's a vicious cycle because this information that really is meant for males and male athletes is being handed off to women and their diet and their training is inappropriate and then it doesn't get the results they want. So then they make some more shifts that shifts men would make. For example, training more and eating less. And then that doesn't work. So then the next assumption must be if this isn't working, it must be a hormonal issue. It's something I just can't fix with diet and exercise alone. And so it becomes this self kind of replicating feature that I, I bet most women go through this. They get a program or they get a male coach who gives them inappropriate information. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And then finally, you know, the recommendation is, well, your home hormones must be screwed up. So, you know, that and then, you know, what happens the next time she talks to her friend who's having the same issues, maybe with the same trainer. So what's the recommendation from the friend? Oh, well, it's probably your hormones that are messed up and so on and so forth. And that just keeps propagating until we get, well, every woman's thyroid is screwed up and every woman has, um, what's that called? Adrenal fatigue and every woman has this issue and every woman. And, you know, I think it's all just. BS. It's just inappropriate information and procedures being given to an audience that is highly receptive to that information. And, you know, in general, I'll be honest, women follow programs to the letter better than almost any male I've ever trained. So it is not a lack of attention to detail. It really just is the wrong information. And I can see where that would be amazingly defeating from a psychological standpoint. I, I just want to comment on that because that's exactly what I felt like I was going through before I met you, Kiefer, and before I was introduced to Carb Night when I was with that, you know, pretty well-known coach in the competition scene and, you know, having done her diet, just like you said, I followed it to a T, did everything I was supposed to on the training side, especially with, you know, all the cardio that they had me do. And when things stopped working, their answer was either, okay, we'll just do more or, which seemed ridiculous at the time because I was pretty much living at the gym already, or there, there's something else that's going on that has nothing to do with the food or the training. So, you know, I should go to my doctor, I should get things checked out when in fact it was me doing what they told me to do that was causing the problem. Right. And, and you can actually create the problem. You know, if you're doing that, if you're eating mm -hmm. less and exercising more, you could cause thyroid abnormalities that would show up as some sort of deviation. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, that's been the problem this whole time. My th thyroid's messed up. And then, you know. Right. Rather than it being a result of what I was what I, I was doing that they prescribed to me. Right. Exactly. Or it could even be an issue where, you know, maybe you're just eating too much food. And so then you're overtraining, trying to compensate for not following the diet. I mean, that's the other scenario, so to speak. Right. Or and I always felt so that from... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. I was just going to say uh, the opposite of actually what Rocky, it goes both ways. Sometimes you're training so much that you can't adhere to your diet because you're just making yourself hungry. Tons of cardio. 
Um, I can I can make myself go off the rails if I start mountain biking all the time. And it's just because it's just too much energy expenditure. And you know what? I can up my calories a thousand calories a day. I'm way over my maintenance calories, but I'm never full. Doesn't matter what I eat. Doesn't matter how many carbs I have, how many carb nights in a week. <laughs> so you see a lot of people sabotaging themselves that way. Yeah. And, you know, just to emphasize the difference between men and women, they've been doing some interesting studies uh, with metabolism. And, um, you know, this has come out in the, the software I'm developing. I've been trying to find the best science possible to estimate somebody's energy expenditure based on, uh, you know, what information we can get from people. And in women, it's very interesting. There's some very good research now, very well controlled, very well looked at, that's showing that women, so each each woman is different, but they have this almost baseline calorie expenditure that their body will adhere to almost regardless of activity. And it's based completely on their lean tissue. So the secret to women being able to eat more or to um, get their calories in line has nothing to do with exercise. It's really interesting. As women exercise more, their body downregulates everything else to try to get their energy expenditure down to that baseline. And men are different. Men actually can increase their overall energy output. Males will ratchet up their metabolism to match their, their exercise – Women do not apparently, and there's more and more research confirming that. So this whole recommendation for men, that's why we see that it could work. It's like, okay, exercise more, and their body will ratchet up the metabolism to burn more energy. But women, you tell them to exercise more, and you just destroy their metabolism in the process, and you didn't get them results. It's a very short window that that will work for a women of, say, a week or two weeks, and then you're destroying their metabolism instead of helping them out. I found that very fascinating, I, yeah, personally. That really is. I mean, I guess it could, when I think back on the times where I did take some time off, I, actually last week was a great example, just too busy, couldn't get in the training that I would normally do, felt a little guilty towards the end of the week because I hadn't done as much as I had planned to, and carb night rolls around and I did not hold back at all. And two days later, and I'm feeling much leaner and tighter than I did the week before, considering that I hadn't really done that much last week at all. Yeah, but your so lean tissue was consistent, which it turns out seems exactly. to be the highest correlation to what your energy needs actually are. So it, it really doesn't matter your activity level. It's how much muscle mass you have. So it really, really is important for women to focus on that type of training if they want to stay healthy and not worry about their diet so much in the future, they really do need to do resistance training. Now, obviously, I'm not suggesting that women look like female bodybuilders who are on a bunch of male hormones. Um, you know, just a healthy amount of muscle tissue for a woman and your metabolism is up at the 2,000 calorie a day mark, no problem whatsoever and probably over that. Um, so you don't have to be super she-hulk for that to happen, you just need to focus on resistance training instead of cardio. Cardio is absolutely the wrong thing to do. You know, I had to wonder how much of this is a protective mechanism as well, just from a reproductive standpoint, how much that relates to it. And when they did these studies, were they looking at premenopausal women or postmenopausal? Was there a difference? Do we know? Um, I have not seen any studies to examine those two different groups uh, with what I can would consider a high level of accuracy. These were all done in um, – 
females, one group, actually elite athletes because they were trying to look for the biggest difference they could. So it was sedentary women and then elite athletes, and they compared the two, and it was phenomenal that in both groups, no matter what, it was the amount of lean tissue that was the really not even the best, almost the only predictor of how many calories they would use in a day. So you could have a sedentary female with as much lean tissue as a woman who was an Olympic athlete, and they had the exact same metabolic rate as far as how much energy they would use because they had the same lean mass. Even though the sedentary woman had a lot more body fat, the lean mass was equivalent, and therefore their energy use during the day was equivalent as well. Oh, that's really interesting. I, I was about to ask about the, the body fat percentage, if that made a difference at all, so I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, it's almost inconsequential, uh, which is what I found was very interesting. And even more, you know, what makes that kind of interesting is that that's why women don't show up to have, you know, the thought is, oh, well, you're overweight because you have a slow metabolism. And then they measure that between obese women and non-obese women. And it turns out obese women have a higher metabolic, they have a higher metabolic rate uh, of energy usage that they use during the day. But it's also because as they've added that body fat, you also add lean tissue. So it very much is dependent on the amount of lean tissue you have. As I say, I would hypothesize potentially that then um, you would you might see differences then uh, in terms of pre versus post menopausal. I would assume that as you get away from uh, menopause, that maybe those women uh, approach more and behave more like men than um, if they were premenopausal. I mean, no, I'm just kind of throwing it out there, but. Or um, you know, postmenopausal, yeah, for sure. When they've had that big yeah, hormonal yeah. shift, I would agree yeah. with that because that that would make sense. Uh, if if we were basing it off of you know our imagined evolutionary argument for survival and particularly for survival of um, the fetus while the woman is in childbearing years, so that'd be an interesting scenario in terms of then maybe if you have a female client, you know how you might gear things if they're you know premenopausal or postmenopausal. If you really wanted to kind of, you know, iron that down, obviously you'd need lots of studies, but hypothetically this, if you're, you know, optimizing things per se, that'd be another factor to look at. Yeah. I'd be, be really curious to see, see research on that. I, that's a, a large percentage of clients are within that age range. And, and they're all in that age range and they're all, they fall into that category too that Kiefer was describing where they are, where, you know, they join the CrossFit gym and they're working out six days a week and they're strict paleo and now all of a sudden they've got adrenal fatigue and thyroid issues and they're coming to us for help. Um, we get that all the time. And a lot of the times it's just adding in a carb night, backing off the exercise and make sure they're doing appropriate amount of and type of resistance training and things correct themselves pretty quickly. Yeah, it's kind of amazing, isn't it? Like how simple it really is when you do take your cues from the science instead of, well, I guess bro science is an appropriate term in, in, for this phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> you said it isn't the appropriate term? No, it is. It is because it's bro science and yeah. unfortunately it's being applied to women. So it's you know, as inappropriate as it could possibly get. <laughs> yes, that's very true. And, um, you know, Alex and I kind of had a conversation about this, and you know, I'm, I always use myself as an example and just 
constant science experiment. And it, you know, it's my things that I do for leisure that I enjoy. People that don't know me very well, they think, oh, I, I mountain bike because I'm trying to burn calories and I'm doing my cardio. And it's so the opposite. I have to scale back my resistance training um, if I want to just even mountain bike like one day a week, I have to make sure I'm eating appropriate amount of food. My focus is muscle retention, recovery, making sure that my strength training is eh, sometimes it only goes down like two, three days a week. And then it's like I actually don't really make good strength gains when I'm doing that kind of uh, leisurely activity that I enjoy. So it's kind of like the summer, everyone thinks that I'm doing all this cardio, trying to get in the best shape, but actually that's the most difficult time to manage because it's just, you know, a recreational activity that I enjoy. Um, so I always see that contrast. And as the bike goes away, it's like everything's dialed and it's, it, you know, it's a breeze. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, yeah. that's and it a, probably makes it, makes it difficult because you, you, there's something that you enjoy doing, but then at the same time it negatively affects other goals. So it's trying to find that balance between the yeah. two. And it negatively affects other goals. And then people's, people's perception is that I do it because it's helping me reach those goals. And it's not, it is a struggle. It is totally, it is, it's something I just wish I didn't even like because my life would be easier. <laughs> <laughs> and see, if you, if, I think that brings up a really salient point here. And that's so I wrote that article a few years ago, though, why women shouldn't run and it blew up. I mean, that thing got over a million reads. And <clears throat> oddly enough, the only person who took the time to really refute it as much as possible was employed by Runner's World magazine. So obviously, maybe they might have had some conflict of interest in not liking my article that nobody pointed out. But anyway, you know, it is that I think one reason it got so much of a response is that a lot of women have gotten to the point that they actually enjoy some cardio. They enjoy that. And when I used to cycle a lot, I enjoyed it as well. But I realized the sacrifice I had to make in doing it and that was not something I addressed in that article was, okay, maybe you love this. Maybe you love some of the cardio that you do. But you need to understand the consequences and maybe try to adjust for that. So take some time off and go to the gym instead and work on your resistance training and your strength and your muscle mass, which is what will keep your bones strong and healthy because the running will not. You know, just understand what it does at the very least so that you can do the things necessary to compensate. And that's exactly what you're talking about, AJ. You just – you love doing it, but you realize there's consequences and so you adjust – so that you can do what you love without it having a negative impact. Exactly. That's what it's about. And, you know, everything's a trade-off, and, and that is something that in the summer I have to deal with. And I, like you said, I compensate. And um, it took me a while to really get it dialed, and this year I got it down. And I think the biggest thing for me was, like, stop putting pressure on myself to make the big strength gains that I make throughout the rest of the year. It was just that, uh, it was just that pressure that I was putting on myself because I wanted to PR on my deadlift or whatever. So taking that out of the mix too and saying, hey, this is, this is your decision. You want to bike, your, your deadlift's probably going to suck for the next couple of months or you're not going to get very far with it. You're not going to make awesome gains like you were, you know, six months ago. And just saying to yourself, that's cool. That's my decision. This is what I'm going to do for the next three months. And then I regain focus and, you know, shift gears in the fall. And this is the way it's going to be. 
I think the other point to keep in mind is that I don't think we're saying that cardio inherently is bad for you, but you have to look at the intensity of the aerobic activity you're doing. And and the problem is, is that when you say cardio, I think people think that we may be saying that you should be doing any cardio. And I think it's actually cardio with certain intensity levels. So if you're looking at, you know, above 60% of max heart rate, I mean, that's probably something where you don't need to be. Um, if you're looking at a, a you know, somewhere between 20 and 40% of max heart rate, it's probably something that's probably going to be very beneficial from a cardiovascular standpoint. But now that's, that's an important point to make in terms of what we're talking about. And I, I know, I know you got flame and that, that article that you wrote on running, I mean, you had so much hate mail on that, on that blog post. It was, it was, I was, I was flabbergasted at the amount of vitriol that you got for that post. Oh, that was amazing. It was impressive. But, but it, it, you know, you have to look at that. In, I think that's, you know, we always talk about it depends. Well, it depends on your intensity. I mean, so, you know, if you're cycling or mountain biking, you're certainly going to be in the upper limits of, of, of that heart rate range. But if you're going for a walk or a brisk walk, that's not, that's not actually a bad thing per se, you know, depending on how you're doing it and how you're structuring it. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Yeah, that, that's the type of cardio you usually recommend is, you know, that brisk walk. That's what I do with Cooper around the lake. Um, and, and it's, it's amazing, uh, you know, we do their, their, their cardiopulmonary exercise testing here in the office. And so we actually come back and recommend uh, an exercise prescription. And invariably, I can tell you almost 100% of the time, I had to tell the patient that they're, do, they're working too much on their cardio. They're going too high on their heart rate. I actually had to tell them to come down on the lower end. And they're like, well, then how do I, how do I, get, how do I lose weight? I'm like, well, th- that's not why you do cardio. <laughs> you do cardio to make your, health, you make your heart healthy. You don't do cardio to lose weight. <laughs> and that's always met with um, a bit of skepticism. It's unfortunate. A bit of skepticism? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so what are some that's other – That's what they want to hear. Well, right, because they think they're doing the right thing. You know, you've mm-hmm. basically Well, just... and I think for a lot of people starting out, it seems like when they look at the gym – the, the least intimidating piece of equipment is the treadmill or the elliptical because they can get on it. They don't have to feel awkward because they're unfamiliar with it. They know what to do. There's buttons they can press that, you know, chooses the mode for them, the intensity, and they can just do it. It's not as intimidating, I think. So I, I, for a lot of people who are starting off, that just seems like an easy go-to. Whereas, you know, I get a lot of clients who are new to the weight room. They're new to lifting weights and they go in that area and they're just, they're lost. They're intimidated. They don't know what to do. And when they, even if they do have a program, they don't know if they're doing it right. And then it's filled with men generally, which is even more intimidating. So I think for someone starting off, it's just an easy, it's it's an easy thing to to turn to is that piece of cardio equipment because it's it's easy. Well, and from the social side of it, how often have you seen a guy go up to a woman on the treadmill and say, hey, you know, I could really give you some pointers on how to walk on that treadmill better. (laughs) Like it just doesn't happen. You know, that, that doesn't happen. So it's also more of a, a safe place where you don't have to worry about being annoyed by some guy telling you how to do it better. It's like, oh, well, they're on the treadmill, so I'm, I'll just leave them alone. No, it, yeah. was everybody Every- flabbergasted that I did a voice or something? What happened there? <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm still laughing on the floor because it's, I could see that. I, I, I could picture that happening in gym where I've seen, you know, guys come up to women and say, you know, and they're doing maybe a bicep curl or a, you know, chest press or something like that. And they'll like, you know, try to show them the proper, you know, uh, technique or they're, you know, showing them that they're doing the technique wrong. I, I've seen that so many times happen over and over again. It's just, it's like so true. 
But you never see it on a treadmill. You will never see a no. guy do that. It's true. It's very true. That would be awesome. I don't know. I've never been on a treadmill in the gym. <laughs> and say, I feel like trying that now. Like just walking up to somebody randomly. Hey, baby, let me show you how to use that treadmill. <laughs> you know, you, you can, can walk do is backwards on the treadmill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me show you that work backwards. Walk backwards in the right. treadmill. Here, let me let me just show, <laughs> let me just show you this one little thing. It's going to change everything about your workout. It's going to give you insane results. Oh, that'd, oh, that'd be hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> That's a good voice. <laughs> Thanks. That's definitely so, not the I'm mad at Cooper voice. No, no. Uh, yeah, we don't want to hear that on air. Some people might get scared. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do have a website, well, Bad thing, Cooper, that maybe I could put a little really? voice snippet on there. Yeah. Yeah, it's not active yet, but I did get the domain so I could put Bad Cooper on there when he does bad stuff. Dog shaming. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's much. what it sounds like it would be. <laughs> well, it'd be just basically the aftermath of stuff. Although the problem is he doesn't really do anything bad. It'd be more like it sh I should have registered Badass Cooper because he does more cool stuff than he does bad stuff. That seems more fitting. Yeah. <laughs> but it'll still work. It'll work. He won't be offended. So what other issues do you two see? I mean, you, you've, got, you've got very different audiences that you work with, and you do have some crossover also. So I think that's what's going to make the, the Her Body IO FM such a good show is talking about the two the different scenarios and also the overlap in those audiences, like when sedentary women cross over into – some performance activities and when some performance women start to scale back down to a more ordinary life. So what is it? Like, what are you guys going to talk about? Enlighten us. Give us some cool previews. Well, one thing, I mean, that, that I just thought of when AG was talking about, you know, her biking during the summertime and, and making those adjustments. And it's a conversation that, that we've had uh, a few times, I think. And that's, and it's relevant to everyone. And it's just being very clear about, what your goal is and adjusting everything around that goal and understanding that if there are other things that you want to do, whether it's train a certain way or, you know, be able to enjoy more food over the holidays since it's coming up, is just understanding the repercussions of those decisions and being okay with that. And I think a lot of people, just like AJ was saying, put they put a lot of pressure on themselves to achieve something or reach a certain point. And that pressure sometimes just has a, a far more negative effect than a benefit. Yep. Clear goals and yeah, being at peace with those goals. Even if that goal is I'm just going to maintain for a period of time and maybe get my metabolism back on track. That's something that we see a lot of. Um, I was surprised actually when I started taking on a lot of um, clients that were coming to me for specific like carbonate and carb backloading coaching, how many women are on strict long-term ketogenic diets that have been for the last year who do CrossFit? I had no idea that that population was so big. That's what paleo uh, is now possible. Paleo is now a ketogenic <laughs> diet. Don't you know that? I mean, that's what that's that's what everybody's doing these days. Right? Really? Yeah, I, I well, thought it was, I thought paleo uh, was anti-ketogenic if you're on the right website. Yeah. Yeah. There's too many dates and stuff in all of their paleo bars for it to be ketogenic in my yeah. opinion. But there's this there's, other group of women that 
that are like on these long-term ketogenic diets. And I can't believe how many people that are coming to me wanting to explore carbonite to help regain their health because they've seen all these negative consequences of these choices over the last year. And I did not know that that was so popular. And it, it was actually pretty frightening to see how many people were coming forward admitting to this. Well, did you find that any of them were scared of the carbs? Oh, terrified. Uh, you know, terrified. Okay. I thought I was just the only one. <laughs> they, yeah. like they're interested in the programs, but then they have this fear around the carbs. And I, yeah. there you know, were a handful of clients who I just could not get to eat enough. They were still hesitant. And I see their logs and I'm like, it's still, it's not enough. We need to eat more. And there's just this huge fear around it. And they had the same non-fear of fat, right? So the... The, the yes. amount of non-fat fear equates to the amount of carb fear almost in a sense. Yes, absolutely. And that's exactly the example I would use with those clients, Rocky, is I would say, remember when you went to a high-fat diet and you were afraid of high fat? I said, now you got to transition back over and start you know, having that attitude with the carbs and being like, this is part of the protocol. This is going to help me get better from where I am now. And, um, oh gosh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. but. Um, Oh, this was before carb shock. That's what I was going to say. Like what Alex just said, they're so afraid of the carbs. And then when carb shock came out, I was like, this is the perfect thing for these women uh, to start helping them at least get that insulin spike and start getting them used to adding more carbohydrates back in their diet. Yeah, it it's difficult because there really is no place that has a consistent conversation about how to use carbs in a safe and healthy way, like literally body IO and the, you know, the body of work there is the only place that consistently gives the benefits of a ketogenic diet and also talks about the benefits of carbohydrates. Everybody else is split down the middle in one of the two camps, either carbohydrates are the ultimate fuel source and you need to take out some fat in your diet to get more carbs or it's the complete other camp that's like carbs are evil, don't eat carbs. And then, you know, if anybody ever used to be in a ketogenic slant, uh, you know, to recoil from that negativity, then they start saying, well, here's how you add carbs back in throughout the day. I mean, so it's this really horrible mishmash of information where people are just either stigma – they are stigmatized – or, you know, they're stigmatizing their audiences against one nutrient or another. And then the people who are trying to avoid that stigma are making really bad recommendations that just sound good to appease everybody. You know, I think very few places and I, you know, I'm just going to be conceited on this. There is no other place that looks at the science of using carbohydrates as a tool, both for health and performance with a ketogenic structure around that, then, you know, Body IO. There, there really is no other place on the web that I know of, and no studies going on, unfortunately, uh, other than what I've been able to do with Rocky, that looks at carbs and transitioning that way. And and actually, that was something interesting. Nina Teicholtz, who we had on the show before, called me up and talked about that. She's like, "I'm really disappointed that nobody's looking at this concept with all the work that you've done and all the fabulous results Rocky's gotten and all the things I've seen from." Uh, people who use your protocols on the web, like Alex Navarro and AJ, you know, talking about all those things she's seen and all the huge, you know, buzz that's out there about it and nobody is studying it and everybody seems to be scared of it except for our small camp. 
you know, any podcasts I've listened to? And, and the best way to describe it is, you know, when you're like at the back of the classroom in elementary school and you got the answer and you're swinging your hand up in the air going, oh, I got the answer. No one listens to you. The teacher doesn't call on you. I listen to mm-hmm. these podcasts and hear about these women on these ketogenic diets and they're having all these thyroid issues and, and you know, whatever the conversation might be, whatever it's around. And like you said, Kiefer, then they start talking about adding carbs back into every meal, but in small portions. And I'm just sitting there, you know, with my hand up at the back of the classroom, just want to scream, carb night, carb night. (laughs) 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 And like, you know, you just sit there and listen to this stuff and you're like, oh my God, (laughs) it's painful. (laughs) I know, at least what I see is that, you know, we talked about how it depends what your goal is. And I just see so many people coming in to me, just kind of, they like dabble in with ketogenic diets and, and, but there's no particular reason why. It's just because that's like the thing right now, almost in a way which is almost mind-boggling that you'd go on such an extreme diet from a, from a standpoint of doing it for how many weeks or months, but then, you know, what's the reason behind it? I always ask, well, why, why did you change your diet or why are you doing the diet that you're doing? And, and a lot of times I don't really get a good answer, which is, well, <laughs> but why did you go down that route anyways? You know? Yeah. They have it sounded no like idea. a good idea at the time. Well, that's well, what everybody else in the, in the box is doing, right? Yep. Exactly. Yep. That's the problem. It's like, or well, it worked I worked for somebody that they knew. Or even better, it's like, well, I heard somebody just put out a book about it. Not that they read the book, not that they looked into it. It's just like, oh, I heard somebody wrote a book about that. It's like, wow, that was your whole, whole reason for trying this out. It's like, well, it's kind of that attitude. Well, if there's a book, then it must be, there must be something magical about it because there's a book. It's kind of, you know, the reasoning is. I don't know. It, it's ridiculous. That's or some famous doctor on TV talked about it and therefore. Yeah, you can say Dr. Oz's name. <laughs> I prefer not to. Yeah, he's all over the map, though. I mean, he's got people doing different things all the time and chugging pills. and. Yeah, every episode he contradicts himself. Yeah. Although he got flamed on Twitter last week. I don't know if you saw that or not. That I was did. fantastic. That was I thoroughly hilarious. enjoyed it. Did you see some of the comments that people put on there? I did. Oh, yeah, it was They great. were excellent. <laughs> Super, very entertaining. <laughs> One of my favorites was, so, Dr. Oz, when you give yourself a prostate exam, do you use, do you use just a finger or do you stick your whole head up there? I was like, <laughs> that, was my, that was my all-time favorite. I'm like, he does have his head up his ass. If anybody in the fitness oh, wow. health space does, it's Dr. Oz. <laughs> so, unfortunately, I don't think he's going to answer that one, but I, the answer would be his whole head. <laughs> I love how bold people get in, in settings like that where it's like when you're in your car and mm-hmm. you have road rage, you're comfortable yelling at people because you're in your car. You can say right. things that you're, you otherwise wouldn't say. Well, except in Oakland because you might get shot. That's true. <laughs> or Phoenix because everybody has a gun in their gun rack in the back of their truck. Yeah, yeah, same thing. A <laughs> little bit off topic, but still on topic, Dr. Oz and his... <laughs> I, you know, I, what I love is when yeah, but he, the, what's his, but what's his audience though? His audience is primarily, you know, middle-aged, older female patients or uh, mm-hmm. population, right? So, That's, yeah, I, well, I was just about to talk. I saw an episode on a plane. I was just happened to catch it watching the TV feed and, you know, he pulled some up, somebody out of the audience and they were so excited. They're like, Dr. Oz, I've been following your shows and your nutrition advice for years you know, I'm so glad you're doing this, like, you know, all the accolades or whatever. And she was easily 100 pounds overweight. And I'm like, seriously, it doesn't, you know, you can't follow celebrity. 
Celebrity does not substitute for expertise. I mean, just look in the mirror. You know this isn't working for you, and I don't care how much you love Dr. Oz, he's not helping you. And you, you, just, you just need to step back and say, okay, I, like, I love this guy, but has he helped me at all? And I guarantee for 99.999% of his audience, the answer is no. He's never helped anybody. Unless they had too much money and then he helped them to squander it. I would like okay. to dedicate this part of the podcast to my mother. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Anyone that knows me is just dying right now listening to this. Trust me. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, but we all know that family members are the last person that are going to listen to you, right? I mean, that's oh, always the hardest yeah. part, right? Yeah, yeah. She's getting well, better. I feel lucky then because my family all jumped on board pretty quick. <laughs> Thank goodness. That's good. It could have been, though, because you had an outside expert that you were promoting. It wasn't just That's you. True. That's the problem I have That's with true. my family. It's like, well, what could you know? We watched you grow up. You're not smarter than us kind of thing. <laughs> it's like, um, okay, well, you know, have fun with your overweight diabetic life when you're on a handful of pills a day. And I just, I cannot get them to understand, like, you know, at... The age I'm at now is the age they started taking medication for their health. And it's like, and you still wow. won't listen to me. It's, it's kind of, it's amazing to me. Yeah, and you know what? Your last podcast uh, with Fred Navarro yeah. really helped me understand all that. Because I think we, like especially coaches, we all struggle with that. When you talk to coaches, everyone's just always banging their head against the wall when it comes to their own family. So that podcast was really helpful for me because I think it kind of stresses us out. And that was Alex's dad, uh, well, by the way, absolutely. for anybody who didn't, who didn't catch that. That is Alex Navarro's dad. I'm very proud. <laughs> he, he should be. He's, he's a sharp guy. <laughs> it was very interesting, you know, over the years growing up and, and hearing about all the research that he was doing as he was doing it. And like he mentioned in the podcast, you know, he, I took the... Uh, the assessment to get my path type when I was pretty young. And just like he said, it, you know, it, it was very clear what, uh, what path type I was. And uh, it was interesting just to compare myself to my sisters and just our approach to taking care of ourselves and the way that we dealt with each other as well. You know, I'm, I am the type where obviously I take care of myself. I'm the independently healthy, but being able to, I, I care about my family's health, but I'm not one to push it on them. So I was another reason why I was happy that they decided to give Carbonite a try because I didn't push it on them by any means. I let them make their own decisions, but, you know, gave them planted enough seeds to get them curious enough. And I think that that helped. That's good. And but not everyone's always receptive to the seeds. Yeah, I was going to say, and being in path eight, you do enjoy alcohol from time to time. Is that correct? <laughs> well, I just don't that want everybody. True. Yeah, I, you know, I think that was an important. I actually really like that he brought that up because people usually associate alcohol consumption with bad health. And, you know, in the podcast, it was interesting. He's like the independently healthy, which are the people who are the healthiest, the longest. They have the least health care costs. They have the most active life for the longest amount of time is also the group that really enjoys having alcohol. It's like that totally, yeah. I mean, if, if you just think about that for a minute, I mean, that totally blows that whole paradigm out the window where 
They're like, oh, well, alcohol makes you fat. Obviously, that's not the case. There's a lot more factors at play. Uh, so I just – I wanted to bring that up because that just really struck me in that conversation because I didn't know that before that podcast. We hadn't talked about that before. So – and I wanted to bring it up with you because you do. You do enjoy having alcohol every once in a while, and mm-hmm. nobody would look at you and be like, oh, my gosh, well, she's a drunkard, and she's out of shape, and she needs to cut out <laughs> the alcohol. You know, nobody would ever say that. That's true. <laughs> at least not to my face. Yeah, you'd lush. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting is when I first learned about the path types, interestingly enough, he never mentioned that alcohol part. <laughs> well, he probably didn't want to know. I was younger at the time and he, did, he didn't want to encourage me. <laughs> yeah. Or he just didn't want to know. He's like, I don't want to know. <laughs> so what else? Uh, that, this might be a good time to just um, talk about what's going on at Body.io and you two are part of it as well as Rocky. And, you know, the the mission really of Body.io is shifting quite a bit to education and trying to get good information out to people. And part of that mission is actually publishing other people's works. Uh, so, you know, this isn't the normal kind of affiliate marketing that's going on in the fitness industry where everybody's trying to promote a bunch of crap just to make some money uh, with a series of emails each month. We're really trying to develop and uh, essentially becoming a publishing company to really get some of this amazing work out there that's not out there. You know, I'm very, very proud to be helping Fred with his publication. Uh, Alex has a work that's going to be coming out next year that I'm very excited about. Uh, it uses a lot, it has a lot of the information that she's discovered on her own and that her and I have uh, worked on together and also some of my work that it's founded on. AJ is also coming out with a book next year, uh, the same thing, using a lot of this information in a very palatable and easy way for people to get results. Uh, Rocky is hopefully working on a book. He's so insanely busy right now with everything that's going on, um, but so we don't know if it'll come out next year, but you know we have a project for Rocky as well, so everything that comes out of Body.io is really there to help educate people and to help them help themselves and help those around them. Uh, so I'm really excited about this upcoming year for all the amazing information that's going to be coming out. And, you know, we're kind of st- starting with uh, Fred's Fred's book. Yeah, I can't wait for that to come out. I'm ready to devour it. Yeah, yeah. that that's going to be an amazing work. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for yours, Rocky. kind of set the tone. <laughs> yeah, no, I do, I do too. Yeah, I think Rocky, Rocky's got some great information he's sitting on that he's just not taking the time to share with anybody because he's greedy. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah, people, you, you know. need to send your hate mail to hate, hate <laughs> tweets to Rocky Patel. <laughs> Find him, send him some hate <laughs> tweets, tell him to get off his ass and start working on this. He's got, there's so much clinical information that we need to get out there. And I've been, you know, you know riding him for the last, I don't know, year while I was in Phoenix. And, I, you know, I don't think it really, it didn't go too far. We'll get no, there. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. At least he didn't come up with any excuses. <laughs> See, he is greedy. It's all greed. He just wants to keep this information greedy. in his practice. He's like, that's if you right. want help, just, yeah, if you want help, you got to come to my clinic. I'm just a greedy doctor. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
hate tweets at Dr. What is it? <laughs> I don't even know your Twitter handle. <laughs> That's so bad. I know it's got Dr. Patel in it somehow. Somehow. Man, and seriously, <laughs> don't what? don't know what it is either. <laughs> no, he knows what it is. He's, he's just scared to say it on the air now. And I don't know what it is with podcasts and Cooper dropping ass. And now I've got a sound booth set up that's a tiny room that has no airflow whatsoever. And he likes to come in here every podcast and just start dropping ass. I don't know what it is. He saves it for you. He does. He doesn't do it any other time. He'll sit (laughs) under my desk all day long and not even the most minute hint of anything foul. And then the podcast starts and he just comes in here and starts blowing it up every time. At least it doesn't make noise. That would be awkward. No, that's true. At least it's not recorded, but unfortunately. Then people might think it's you. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good point. And I'm blaming it on the dog. No, I swear it's the dog. Oh, man, it was bad enough this time that he left the room. He's like, man, I don't even know how you're staying in there, Kiefer. That's ridiculous. I got to go. Man, it's horrible. I'm almost, almost afraid he had an accident in here or something. Oh, the things that come out on Body IO FM. So has, it dev- has it devolved to this already? <laughs> yeah, well, we're actually 50 <laughs> minutes in, so it's, I think it's, it's a good time. <laughs> And it's been building. So any other new, any other new body IO info that I'm I've been on the outs of? I don't think so. We try to keep any, you in the any, loop. And any any hints of CBL two or all I'm saying maybe is maybe a republication of your first book that I've been asking for for three years. It's it's all happening. That's all I can say. I can say CBL two <laughs> will be out the first quarter of next year. I don't want to give an exact date. And Carbonite. The new Carbonite, really hoping to get it out next next year. It's hard to say. There's a lot of projects going on. Uh, the software is moving along, which I'm really excited about. The supplement company starting. We might have some other other uh, secret supplements in the works. There's the publishing that's going on, trying to you know help just get good educational materials. By the end of 2015, we're looking at putting in place a certification process for everything body IO so people can be expert in the advice they give on carb night and carb backloading so that people know they're talking to an expert. Uh, we're about to launch our coaches, which I'm very excited. That'll be around the first of the year. We're going to announce our coaches. New website will be up so everybody can find the coaches, find out what they're expert in, get in touch with them to get some personalized help, uh, which – I'm proud to say AJ is the head of that part of Body.io. Uh, she's the big dog when it comes to coaching. Um, I don't know. What else? Anybody can, did I miss anything? I know that's a lot. I don't think so. Mm, I don't a lot. think so. I'm excited for it all. Yeah, no. Yeah, the, coaching, the coaching team is amazing. I think everyone's going to love it. Yeah, we've actually, it's, we've been developing the coaching team in secret for what, three months now? Oh, at least. Yeah, maybe right? a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. Anything, yeah. yeah, three, four months. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean to tease the audience, but uh, it, 
we just wanted to make sure that the group was cohesive and communicated with each other so that they could bring problems to one another and kind of get a process down to help people in the most effective way possible. Well, this is not a coaching platform where we're trying to trap people into coaching for years on end. This is also part of the education goals of Body.io. Where the, the coaches are really there to help try to educate people about their bodies and about themselves. Uh, so we wanted to make sure we had a good solid procedure on that and also uh, to, to get a group of coaches who could help us to build a really good certification process. Like what is the key knowledge that coaches need to have when helping somebody? Uh, so, you know, I know these things seem slow, but that's because anything I touch, I want it to be of the highest quality. And, you know, I, I think that's one of the guiding principles of Body IO is we only deal with the highest quality that we possibly can. And I think that's represented by everybody on this podcast right now. I think the coaching also is partly is is not coaching in a traditional sense, I think, is the way I'd look at it. I think it's more of a sense of trying to empower the individual so that they can be self-sufficient, right? I mean, so they can go on and continue to do things they want to do and optimize things they want to do. And and, and I think that'll hopefully kind of be self-evident as, as the program gets rolled out. Yeah, and that's, you know, f- and that's Fred's work ties into that, you know, so the coaches have another diagnostic tool to learn about the person they're talking to and to also help the person learn about themselves psychologically as well. You know, we're, you know, this, this we're, re- I, you know, I hope we're sitting on the cusp of, something that could really change, well, at least the country, if not the world, especially with the United Nations saying everybody needs to be a vegetarian. Wow, no comments? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) don't get me started. (laughs) Yeah, the the UN said to save the planet and to save our health, everybody needs needs to be basically forced onto a vegetarian diet. Wow. Well, that'll never happen. Uh, you know, I with the current climate around health and healthcare and the cost of healthcare and the ignorance at the institutional level, I wouldn't say it couldn't happen. I, it, that's why it's really important to be on this side of things because it's going to take getting everybody at the grassroots level to prevent that from happening, to get the good information well, out there. Go to well, they're already taxing soda in California, right? Or San Francisco? Weren't they? Uh, I saw a soda tax somewhere got passed. So I, I couldn't imagine a butter tax as far behind, right? Uh, yeah. you know, I wouldn't I, be surprised if that's where it started. Yeah, no, I could definitely a butter tax. That would be really interesting. I wonder what uh, <laughs> bullshit coffee would do about that. <laughs> bullshit plus. I don't know. Every- <laughs> Why are you guys so quiet? We're all speechless. You're, you're making me nervous. <laughs> really? I just think, of, what am I going to do if they do that? <laughs> yeah. I'm still, I just, oh, I'm going to go hoard all the butter. <laughs> yeah, well, you'd pay a significant, you got to do it before that, before that would be enacted. That's what I'm saying. If they announce it, then I'm going to go buy it all. And yeah, I have a Costco card, so well, you couldn't. Cart. You don't need carry gold. That's the good news. That's one good thing that if some if anybody's listened to any of the last podcasts, that should be one of the 
jewels of information that you picked up is you do not need to buy the super expensive grass-fed butter that you can buy the regular butter. It is identical in every way that we're concerned with with hormones that people are scared of in their their dairy products. And it's actually better for you when they actually use it in test populations to see how it affects some of their, you know, blood lipid markers and things like that. So you do not need to buy the expensive butter. So even if it's taxed, let the bullshit people go buy the super expensive stuff and pay the tax on it. And you can enjoy Land O'Lakes sweet cream salted Land butter. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that stuff. So if you, good. yeah, so why are, it is amazing. It, it is. I think it's the best butter that's out there. Land O'Lakes. It's Land O'Lakes salted sweet cream. It is by far the best butter that's out there. Um, I, I don't buy anything else. There's going to be a run on Land O'Lakes butter now. I know. <laughs> I'm going to have to go shopping over the border. Yeah, that stuff is it's fantastic, and it's not it's not super expensive. Either. It's not expensive at all, actually. No, it's totally reasonable. Totally reasonable. What else have we got? We've I'd got... say it's the primary butter that I use in the cooking, for sure. Yeah, it's got it's just got such an amazing flavor and texture. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's actually it's 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 um, amazing on a good piece of sourdough. Let me tell you that much. If there is any butter that I'm just going to sit down and eat a stick of, it is Land O'Lakes <laughs> salted sweet cream. It's so good. I, I will – yeah, that's one of those where it's like, oh, yeah, I'll take a bite out of that and leave teeth marks in the butter for the next person. The the butter they have at Cheesecake Factory is really good too. It's not Land O'Lakes, but it's a different company, but it's on on par. Yeah. Yeah, it is good, It t- and it tastes good on their sourdough as well. That's an interesting study. My family, or not study, story. My family actually stopped buying butter when I was a kid because I would sneak into the refrigerator and take a bite out of the sticks of butter. So they stopped buying butter and started buying margarine when I was a kid, which inadvertently got me to stop eating fat or adding fat to my diet because I hated margarine. I still hate margarine. It's just, ugh, it's nasty stuff. Ugh. Yeah, so my grandparents always used to buy margarine. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, made my family sicker by eating sticks of butter. I will take that to the grave. So it's with all me. your fault, then. It is. Yeah, <laughs> there. I'm the reason that the, that they have to take a handful of pills. Unfortunately, all because I just could not maybe resist. Maybe they didn't like the your teeth marks in the butter itself. You know, when they went to go, they get their butter. I think know? that was actually the problem, is because I I would leave <laughs> very distinct teeth marks. <laughs> In the end of the stick of butter. <laughs> so we're actually at the end of our hour. I think teeth marks in the stick of butter is a good ending place for us. But very Definitely. excited to be adding a new show to the channel. Hopefully in the upcoming year we'll be adding a couple more shows as well. Covering others, you know, uh, pretty specific topics. So you can choose your flavor of information that really applies to you specifically rather than kind of gambling on what Rocky and I are going to going to chat about that week. So very excited you two. I'm glad you guys are co-hosting a podcast even though it took a little wrangling to get you guys to do it. I'm glad you're on board. Glad you're excited. Anybody got any last comments? 
When's it start? I can't wait to hear him. Uh, that's a good question. Okay. Where? Go ahead, a couple AJ. more details to sort out, and then what we recorded two already. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Very soon, hopefully, because we're later. really excited. Yeah. <laughs> we are. <laughs> cool. Maybe we can get that out by Christmas. Oh yeah, I don't see why not. That would be pretty cool. That's a good amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think the first two episodes we kind of, you know, we kind of aim for that time and maybe giving some pointers because we know that that time of year is challenging uh, for a lot of people when they start up uh, any kind of new, you know, diet uh, in the new year. So hopefully we can get that information to our audience by then. Awesome. Well, we're working hard on it, and uh, we'll keep everybody posted. If you have not signed up for updates on the website, you need to go do that, body.io. I think I had sign-up forms put on every page. There's a pop-up on the main page. I just I want people to sign up so that we can get information, you guys. And it's not a you know marketing thing. You're not going to get blitzed with promotions or anything like that. It's just so we can keep you updated with information as it comes out uh, to announce the coaching platform, to announce new products. Um, that we're associated with, like Fred's book, uh, Alex's book, AJ's book, Rocky's book, when it happens, which I know it will happen. Uh, ever, everything, you, if you want to stay updated, body.io and go sign up, and you will be the first to know about Alex's and AJ's new podcast. And I think that's another episode of Body IOFM. Thanks for being on YouTube. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yep. And, um, I guess we will talk to everybody next time. You've been listening to Body IOFM with your hosts, Kiefer and Dr. Rocky. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more science from the pinnacle of human health and performance.